0: what is up everyone welcome back to another episode of check the kick podcast SureDog.com is the website i'm the host devin and sorry i took a small leave of absence if you notice my background is different to the video watchers and not the audio listeners i moved and um moving sucks it's been a real pain in the ass packing all your stuff moving all your stuff but i am in a new place larger home office i'm happy to be here and i'm happy to be back with you guys for another episode i did not get to recap the ufc 298 unfortunately but i was correct with my pick of Ilya topuria we're going to be talking about Ilya in the middle segment of the show um but we march on some decent fights over the past weekend and some i'm not even going to call this weekend's UFC card decent but it is what it is you know we we gotta play with the hand we've been dealt this past weekend we had UFC Mexico City and um let's just not do I mean the UFC did right by not booking any heavyweight any light heavyweight no big boys on this card but even the flyweights definitely felt the pressure of 7,000 feet of elevation which is more than a mile dominant cruise. Yeah, seven thousand feet is more is more than a mile. Um, he had a small blunder on the broadcast this weekend. It was a very funny moment. PFL also had their um, champ versus champ, and kind of got shit kicked by Bellator. And we're going to talk about that too. But we will start off with uh, the battle of the Brandons. Brennan Royval defeats Brennan Moreno, and it, weird kind of weird fight. I actually didn't love it and I actually scored it for Moreno. Um uh, Roy Val definitely won the third round. That's where he kind of buzzed Moreno with that with that knee, kind of had him up against the cage. But a lot of his offense was just pitter-patter, stuff getting blocked off the, you know, blocked off of Moreno's guard. He, he was definitely spamming his jab really well. There's just not a lot to it. Um, and Moreno really had this weird step in and counter punch with one big shot. Um, and there was a 49 46 scorecard for Brandon Moreno. And a lot of people were given that judge shit in the media. And it's really not a terrible scorecard, um, especially if you actually understand the scoring criteria. Um, because impact damage is what is the number one scoring criteria. And five to six light punches do get outweighed by one big punch as per the scoring criteria. So that's kind of what it is. And back to Moreno's game plan. He's a dude that he has that Khalil Roundtree thing going where, you kind of we're getting different performances from this dude over and over again the second figueredo fight was really awesome where he went out there kind of took his back choked him out that was really dope and then the kai car France fight where he and that was when James Krause is in his corner and James Krause did really well watching the tape on that one he's like hey you know finish this finish that combination with your left hook or the left of the body crushes car France with a body kick and finishes him with ground and pound not a lot of jabs from Moreno, and maybe that was due to Brandon Royval being out of southpaw. Um, but his left hook is his best punch, and his 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 lead hand is his is his best weapon, in my opinion. His left hook and his jab are his best two strikes, and he was buzzing Royval as Royval kind of you know tried to crush the distance and close the space. That's kind of Royval's game spam a lot of jabs on the outside enter the pocket Rival did pretty well stepping in with knees you know that's kind of what started um what started the round 3 flurry from Rivalry. right kind of i would say buzzed up um Moreno but i actually i scored the i scored the fight first round for Moreno second round for Moreno and i scored the fifth round for Moreno yes Rival probably i don't know the striking numbers off the top and i probably should have them for you here on the show but i don't um Royval might have outlanded him two to one but you know spamming shots off the guard that's what your guard is for your guard is to protect you from damage and I just you know Brandon Moreno's leg kicks were worked really well and yeah he stalled a little bit but that's the name of the game and herb was like playing that freaking hurry up offense he was not letting I mean the, the, there was a there was a moment where Moreno had his hands clasped and push Roy Val against the cage and maybe 15 seconds have gone by and herbs like, Nope, we're done. We're done here. And I thought that was a little bit interesting. Don't really love that. Um, and when it comes to, I understand the action needs to go on. I, I completely get that, but at the same time, like, you know, some herb is so inconsistent with what he wants to do and what he wants a fight to look like. And, it's not congruent between any of the refs and it can change between fight and fight to fight, even with the same ref, you know, we've seen Goddard do weird shit and we'll talk about Goddard and, uh, Ortega here in a moment. Um, But we've just seen so much inconsistencies between officiating scoring lately. It's just mind boggling. This whole card, by the way, sidebar was just absolutely uh, full of weird ass, just weird calls, weird splitties. Like the Jesus Aguilar splitty was weird. Um, Victor Altamirano kind of got shafted in Mexico. I'm not mad about that that card, by the way. I'm okay with him, with Victor Altamirano losing. Just found it interesting. Um, Yeah, the, the whole night was scored weird. This fight was weird. I'm okay with no more fights being at elevation as well. Um, Royval was definitely great with his volume. I think he threw over 500 strikes, which is second to Max Holloway versus Calvin cater. Um so so good for Royval. Royval is actually my flyweight pick for the suredog MMA um fantasy thing that uh Keith, myself, uh Ben and Jade, Put together a few months ago if you haven't watched it you should go back and watch it just to see where we are right now to see how far off some of us were or how close to right some of us were um i actually don't know the standings but i'm sure you can find them somewhere this pantoja was in the crowd holding up zero and five and yeah this is an impressive win but i just did not like moreno's game plan after the right at the start of the third round he seemed off um, I think his weird counter overhand game kind of got him tired. A couple scrambles got him tired. This fight was at seven thousand feet. And I think um people are starting to realize there's a big difference between Tijuana and uh, Mexico City because Tijuana is like at sea level and Mexico City is at like seven thousand feet. And we've learned this. I mean, sea level cane, we we know about these fights at elevation and I just, I don't think it's necessary. There's plenty of cities across the world that are not at elevation where elevation actually degrades the product. These fights happening at a mile high or more, you know, anything over 4,000 feet is going to really impact your cardiovascular system, your recovery ability. Um, and, and fighting is already hard enough. Like, why are we going to make these guys and girls do this, you know, it's just not in their favor at all. It does not work in their favor whatsoever. Um, What's next for Brennan Royval? He cut a decent promo. He said I'm third generation Mexican, all those things. That was great. Um, But I'm pretty sure he doesn't speak Spanish um, because I think that would have been a time for him to speak some Spanish. But he's a Denver native. He's an American through and through. Um, He he said, no one's going to be holding me down anymore. He looked great, by the way. You know, anytime... Anytime Moreno took him down, it was the floor is lava. You know, sh- showed some great K guard. He he even he even um, threatened an omoplata, and kind of you know, Moreno kind of shrugged it off. But I think that or maybe it was a go go plata. Um, the go go plata was a lot closer. Yeah, I think it was a go go because that's what that's what Nick Diaz. hit. Yeah, go go plata. Um, he was very close and that was really cool. I I like the active guard game. I like use, I like him, you know, and we'll talk about active guard playing with the next fight here, but I like dudes that are, you know, aggressive with their guard, but also aggressive in, in just scrambling and getting the fuck out of there. Um, because in MMA in 2024, and I said this last year in MMA in 2023, you're not going to win fights off your back. People are just too good for that anymore. Um, and I didn't do any tape study going into this fight again because I've been moving. So I, I kind of, I didn't come into this blind, but I, I'm, I'm very familiar with all the, all the fighters at this point, you know, you do stuff like this for long enough. You come, you become very familiar, but Moreno, I just, you know, the James Krause thing, he seemed to be really thriving under James Krause. And then I hold the went down and, you know, I just don't, I feel like he needs to get with like a camp. That's going of like weak because he's too good. I still think Brandon Moreno is probably like the best flyweight on the planet. And I think he's just too good to be fighting the way he fought this past Saturday. Yeah. His leg kicks are great. He was finishing combinations and crushing Roy Val with leg kicks. You know, his, his wrestling and his entries look good. He would, he would throw a kick. He would throw a body kick at Roy Val and know that Roy Val was going to fire back. And then the second, the second Roy Val would fire, fire the kickback, he would take the leg and get a takedown. Like, all that stuff, you know, boom, and come right over the top of the takedown, get the knee tap and come over the shoulder. That was That's all fine and dandy, but his striking just, I mean, I feel like he could have afforded to hang out in the pocket a lot more instead of stepping in and just landing one shot. I feel like he could have relied on his defense and his guard and made some prolonged exchanges and, and you know, Throw some three and four punch combinations, lead him with your jab. Yeah, you're fighting a southpaw, but the the same advantages and disadvantages you have are the same that he has because he's the one that's the southpaw. Um, you know, your your rear hands line up for each other. Maybe wrestle more, but all of this, it really looked like he was impacted by the elevation. Um, Brandon Royval, he calls for Pantoja. Like I said, Pantoja was holding up the 0 and 5 in the crowd, and um you know, it sucks that Manel Cop just can't get his shit together. But, um, yeah, we're in this big, like, ring around the rosy thing where Pantoja couldn't beat Figueredo. You know, Roy Vell's already lost to Pan- Pantoja twice in pro MMA. Moreno's lost once, you know, on the Ultimate Fighter, so I guess that doesn't count for their pro record, but still a freaking loss. And then he's lost two times on his pro record. So, like, it's flyweight, so you can technically keep feeding these guys, but we need somebody to come show up. Um, Amir al-Bazi can't get his shit together. You know, got injured. It was a neck injury, so who knows how long that dude's going to be out for. And flyweight, flyweight is such a tough weight class with such a small window. And you saw in this past card with guys like Denise Bondar, who are, like, true flyweights, but – just our a true flyweight is like so small there he just got freaking bullied um so you got such a small window with age and weight cutting and all that that man guys like cop who who should probably be fighting for a title just can't get it together can't make the weight you know it's just flyweight is is such a good division with such good fighters i think some of the best fighters you know all in all pound for pound are at flyweight and they just can't get it together I really don't know what Royval does next. I guess he could fight for a title. UFC 301 is supposed to be in Brazil. Um, so I think that makes all the sense in the world. You know, put a hasty fight together. Pantoja is just going to do the same thing to the dude. I, I mean, yeah, you know, whatever. I, I guess you make Royval Pantoja three. And if Royval figures out how to win, you know, here we go. Here we go again with the rematches, that fly weight. For, uh... Brandon Moreno, he he needs a step back, but not too much of a step back. And we just have to see where Amir Albazi is at at this point. Um, Henry Cejudo called out Brandon Moreno. There's a ton of history there. I mean, I don't – I am assuming – I don't think Henry Cejudo. He's 37. I don't think that dude's making 125 again. And, and maybe a one-off against Cejudo as a mm, – co-main event on some non pay-per-view travel show or, or maybe a main event at the apex could be cool. Give give Moreno and Henry a, a chance to uh kind of settle their, settle their business. And then Moreno doesn't have to cut all the weight. He didn't take damage in this fight. He didn't get lumped up. He didn't get buzzed. If anything, he's the one in my opinion that dished out the most damage. Um, tough spot for Moreno here. A decent win, decent one for Roy Val. And I mean, I guess it's flyweight, so they just have to move on. Moving on to probably the most impressive performance from UFC Mexico City. We have Brian Ortega submitting Yair Rodriguez, via arm triangle in the third round after, um, suffering quite the shit-kicking in typical Brian Ortega way, Um, but he hung tough, and, you know, the the first round, most people scored. I I saw a lot of 10-9s, but but some people scored a 10-8. I know one of the judges scored it a 10-8. That same judge scored the second round a 10-8 for Brian Ortega. I'm kind of cool with that. I think we we need to see more 10-8s. Um 10 are supposedly like 10% of every round. Um featherweight's got a lot of 10-8 rounds. Shit. I mean, I am thinking about 10-8 rounds, and I remember Ilya Topuria and uh Josh Emmett, we saw a 10-7 round, which is like uh, 10-7 means a fight needed to be stopped. And yeah, um, I wonder how many 10-8s Holloway got against Cater. Another featherweight fight. Um uh neither here nor there back to this um yair rodriguez comes out and he's venomous as he always is especially in the first round of a fight he's got great kicks decent hands um he stepped in and brian ortega got overzealous and got crushed with the clean shot kind of went to his back he got crushed with body kicks you know punches up top and, and he was down and out, but towards the end of that first round, he gets a takedown, gets some top control. Second round goes down, gets a takedown against the cage, gets a beautiful, gets a beautiful double leg, high elevation takedown, takes him down. And knowing Yair has such an active guard off of his back, um, he kind of did an old school MMA thing where he just like shoved the mother effort into the corner of the cage, um, control him enough where he can't, you know, cage walk and, and use the cage to get up. But if you crush the distance, Yair does not have the ability to throw up those submissions off his back. He can't get the distance. Um, and Yair does have a very active guard and their first fight it ended kind of via armbar due to injury. In my opinion, from what it looked like. Yeah. it got, you know, labeled as a no contest, but Yair was going for that arm bar. And in this, in this situation, number one, um, I'm not sure if the elevator Yair has been known to flag, but if you look at the Frankie Edgar fight, which I guarantee they tape studied, um, they they saw that he was able to get takedowns against the cage, and Brian Ortega may not look like the most bricked up, cut up, beefy guy, but he is definitely very strong and very very tough. Um, and right when he pushed, anytime he wanted takedowns, he had success. That definitely seems to be a chink in Yair's armor. Um, you know, Max Holloway had success with takedowns. Anyone that's really wanted to take Yair down has Volk, same thing. Um, and uh, uh <laughs> the Yair's fight with Ilya Tapuri is gone, and it kind of seemed like a foregone conclusion. Even myself, I was like, Yeah, Yair's just gonna go out there. I, I thought it was gonna look like the first round for three rounds, and then he's probably gonna finish Ortega. Um, but man, or- Ortega, you know, maybe the Eagle thing worked. Maybe Tracy Cortez being in the crowd worked. Um, This is the first time. This is the first time I watched Brian Ortega win a whole entire round. And then in the round right after, win in very dominant fashion. You know, yes, he did get 10-8 in the first round. So he did still take a big freaking licking before he came back. But... Yeah. For, for a dude that had such a long layoff with all the injuries, he he did the freaking jump to kind of get himself warmed up where he jumped and stamped his feet and looked like he blew up his ankle. You know, he even looked at his corner. He said he was panicked. Um, but he seems to be in a good place now. He said he's married in a post fight interview. Um, I, I typically won't shout out other media stuff, but, um, full send guy that runs full send MMA is a buddy of mine. Um, so go listen to his interview with Brian Ortega. He, he asked Brian Ortega how he was doing personally. I thought that was a really good interview. Um, and Brian Ortega said he's married. There was a woman with him in the post-fight picture they took. So apparently he's married. He's got two kids. Apparently he's got all of his shit together. I'm happy to hear it. Um, and the UFC is going to absolutely love booking Ilya Toporia versus Brian Ortega. The UFC loves putting Brian Ortega in title fights. And, I mean, we'll talk about Ilya Toporia here in a moment, but the dude seems to be an effing star. Um, I think up until this point, Evloev had the best, you know, case for a title fight. But Arnold Allen and Evloev, you know, Dana White, the guy that runs the freaking show, said it was the most boring fight he'd ever seen. I don't agree with that, but I don't get to make that call. He does. Um... That's his opinion. Uh, for Yair, I, I think they'll. I think him and Evloev makes sense. Maybe him versus Arnold Allen. Um, maybe him versus Giga Chikadze, or even like Dan Ige. Dan Ige deserves a step up. He's been freaking nuking fools. Um so crazy how he just went out there and decisively shit kicked Josh Emmett for the interim belt. And then has now lost two fights in a row via stoppage. Um, And maybe I personally thought higher of Yair Rodriguez than he should have. I don't know. He looked good against Max Holloway. In a a loss to Max Holloway is what kind of earned him an interim title fight in a weird effed up way. Um, And he just beat the shit out of Josh Emmett. And look what Josh Emmett's doing. Josh Emmett went toe-to-toe with the champ. Okay, not toe-to-toe. Went five rounds with the champ. Absolutely nuked Bryce Mitchell for the 2023 knockout of the year, in my opinion. And then now he's off a two-fight lose streak. So he needs he needs, a, he needs, a step back. I think the UFC needs to, at this point, utilize Yaya Rodriguez's name to build someone. Evloev is never going to fight for a title unless he goes out there and fucking finishes somebody. We're at the point where... Him and Bilal Muhammad are drinking out of the same water fountain where they're just, I don't know what it is, but no one seems to give a shit about them. Evloev is clearly good. Um, Or, or you know what, like, Edson Barbosa and Yair Rodriguez would make a fun-ass fight. I know that's a step back in the rankings, but you get finished twice, that's kind of what you deserve. You're not a champion. You're former interim champion, which is great. He'll always have that on his record, which will always yield him more money. Um yeah, and then Brian Ortega needs to fight for the title. Max Holloway is wrapped up at UFC 300, and he is probably punching the air right now. Um, he, He's wrapped up in a fight with Justin Gaethje, and I hate to break it to you. Uh, personally, if I had to fight one of these dudes, if, if it was like, hey, you got to fight Ilya Puri, or you got to fight Justin Gaethje, I'm equally scared of both of them. Justin Gaethje has a a little bit of a longer reign of violence than Ilya Toporia, but uh, Ilya Toporia is equally violent. So uh, Max has got his hands pretty tied up with Justin Gaethje, in my opinion. Win, lose, or draw that fight. He's not leaving leaving that cage without a little piece of him left in there. So I don't, you know. Yeah, and and Ortega got lumped up in this fight too, but Toporia is doing a press tour right now. Let, let's say maybe international fight week in the summer. It's March. It's about to be March. So what do they do that in July? Yeah, that's plenty of time. Let's do Topuria versus Ortega international fight week. I'm calling it right now. And just to cap off that UFC fight night in Mexico city, uh, Daniel Zellhuber had a, a great fight against Francisco Prado. Um, Prado won the first round. Zell Hooper came back and won the last two. Kids like 24 years old, big six foot one, lightweight, great jab. The dude seems definitely like he's going to go places. Yasmin Haraghi, um beats Sam Hughes. Manuel Torres, that dude is just like definitely need to tune in to watch him fight all the time. Submits Chris Duncan after getting his bell rung. Um, Edgar Chires beats. Daniel Da Silva, and Da Silva's like 0-6 in the promotion, kind of funny, um, and not too much, not just not that great of a fight, not that great of a, watching the whole card front to back. I just did not think it was that awesome. Um, hopefully, next time the UFC goes to Mexico, it's not at elevation. Let's, let's do this in Tijuana, um, and let's kind of bring some better fighters there moving on we're gonna talk about the uh pfl tour PFL versus bellator champ versus champ um a lot of really impressive performances a.j mckee submitting clay collard like insta sub aaron pico getting his win back against henry corrales um carissa shields gets another professional mma win um I don't know how long she's for this and I don't know how long the fan base is going to be able to watch her fight. Um, Pretty fun stuff on the card. Uh, Jason Jackson, the ass-kicking machine, literally kicked Ray Cooper's ass. Short-notice performance. That kind of... Short-notice opponent. That was kind of to be expected. Vadim Nemkov kind of has a weird back-and-forth striking match with Bruno Kapaloza. Gets stung and then immediately shoots a takedown and then immediately gets a submission. And it's like, dude, Nemkov, wh- why are you f- playing these MMA games? Like you moved up to heavyweight. He looks big. He weighed more than Bruno Capelo's. I think he was like 236 or 242, something like that. <clears throat> um, like, why why are you playing these tit for tat striking games with these dudes when you know that it- it's like, You put your plan B against his plan A and your plan B is just as good as his plan A, but your plan A is so much better than his plan A. Just go fucking wrestle, dude. That's your thing. It's heavyweight. Like ask DC about light heavyweights at heavyweight and and what you're supposed to do. Typically going down a weight class, you want to be the bigger guy and you want to wrestle typically coming up a weight class. You want to strike. But when you, when you're a light heavyweight and you're coming up to heavyweight, Typically, the light heavyweights are wrestlers. It's like, dude, just go wrestle these fools. Nemkov could probably beat Henan Ferreira. We're gonna talk about Henan Ferreira right now. Henan Ferreira ices Ryan Bader in a. Um, a lot of people seem to be on Bader here, and and I tossed it into the Sherdog Slack <clears throat> early in the day. These fights were early in the day. I had MMA all day this past Saturday, which is pretty cool. Um, but I threw it in the Sherdog Slack chat, and I go, how long until? Uh, how how long is it going to take for Hennifer to ice Ryan Bader? And I, I was just like, this is the Rumble Johnson fight all over again, but worse um, because Fajero is just bigger. So he's even more scary than Rumble Johnson. Um, <clears throat> Hennifer is huge. Like when these dudes got mashed up next to each other, Ryan Bader, I thought he was just going to go dive on a single leg and die, but he didn't. But, you know, he he tried to play his in and out jab game but Henan Ferrer just threw a 1-2 sh- down the pike and just wrecked him. And that's his thing. He's huge and he hits very hard and he's a super athlete and he's got some deficiencies. He's definitely not the best wrestler. It's heavyweight. Would I pick Nemkov to beat him? Probably. But could I see M- Nemkov getting absolutely iced? Yeah. Um <clears throat> that was and Henan Ferrer, when he won his million bucks this past this time out, um he uh got laid on for a round. And then, he, you, you, if you try to have 50 50 exchanges with Henan Ferreira, he's just too fucking big. He's too dangerous. He is going to ice fools. That's his thing. And he's pretty good. Um, ice Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader was 40. All, all the odds were against him. That's why he was the dog in this fight. Um, <clears throat> I would love to see Henan Ferreira fight Vadim Nemkov in hilarious fashion. Also, the pacing of this card was great, but like, why is John Jones? parading around looking chubby and i'm not trying to be disrespectful i don't know what they're called the middle eastern outfit with the headdress thing <clears throat> i i to to go on to the broadcast sean o'connell was there saying like well are you the baddest man on the planet or is it francis Nganu? why why aren't you fighting francis and it's like why are you trying to bait John Jones into this UFC versus PFL thing? That's never going to happen. Um, the likelihood of me waking up with a third or fourth arm is more likely than that. <clears throat> I also think it's very, very unlikely Francis Ngannou ever fights MMA again. And I've been saying that the moment his fight got booked against Tyson Fury, the moment that fight got booked, I was like, if this fight happens, Francis Ngannou is never fighting MMA again. Sure shit. He goes out there and has a great performance against Tyson Fury and a loss. Yeah, he's booked against Anthony Joshua, like, very soon. And they're talking about him fighting the winner of Hennon Ferreira and Ryan Bader. That shit ain't fucking happening. PFL got absolutely bamboozled by Francis Ngannou. And it's funny because... <clears throat> this is probably the exact reason why the UFC was just not willing to play the Francis Ngannou hardball. Francis Ngannou did end up securing the bag. He didn't make his coin, but like this is why the UFC was not willing to entertain that shit. They're talking about, you know, Oh, Francis Ngannou is fighting the winner of this fight. Henan Ferreira wins. And they're, they had it all set up for this face off. they, Put the camera on Francis Ngannou like 100 times. He was sitting next to his trainer, Mike Tyson. Fights ended, and Francis is already fucking leaving. He's gone. He's going back to Vegas. He's like, eh, I don't I don't like Saudi Arabia. Get me out of here. Um, th- th- for anyone that thinks that Francis Ngannou is going to fight Henan Ferreira or fights MMA again under the PFL banner, I, I mean, he's fighting Anthony Joshua. Do you all know how much money he's going to make when lose, or draw? He's not fighting PFL. Like, it's just not going to happen. There's no one there. worth. There's there's not one fighter under the PFL Bellator banner that is worth Francis Ngannou putting in an MMA training camp. The dude's got two bum knees that have, you know, both have had reconstructive surgery. <clears throat> Francis Ngannou probably doesn't want to train any wrestling, probably doesn't want to train any MMA. It's just not going to happen. And I think the fight to make is Henan Ferreira versus Vadim Nemkov. Make it. That's the fight we all want to see um and i'm here for it that's the, the those are probably the best two heavyweights under their banner cool i'm here for it um great win great win by hannah ryan bader the dude's probably gonna retire i mean <clears throat> he's been grasping at straws with his career for the last you know x amount of fights and great timing for him when he had to fight fedor and all those things um maybe linton Vassel can show up and and fight one of these dudes too That'd be cool, but I don't know what Ryan Bader's going to do. Moving on to what I was probably the most anticipated, um, my most anticipated fight, it was not Yoel Romero versus Tiago Santos, even though shout out to Yoel Romero getting wins at 46 years old um, and clear wins at, at this level, making the money he's making, great for him. But uh, we have Johnny Eblen defeating Impacasanganai for their middleweight unification title thing even though pfl doesn't even have a middleweight division but i guess they do now um and it sucks really the fight i was most hyped about was the jesus pinedo versus pitbull i think pinedo was going to go out there and ice him and then braga got matched up and then that shit fell through that guy just it's the same thing as the jason jackson and the ray cooper thing because i think jason jackson could contend with any of the top five welterweights in the ufc i think jason jackson's very fucking good we'll never know especially if they got him fighting dudes like Ray Cooper. Um, but Back to Johnny Eblen and Impa Kasanganai. Um, I think Impa I won this fight. I think he kind of got robbed. I also don't think Johnny Eblen's the best middleweight in the world. I think Impa I has made drastic improvements. And I think Impa I is a very good MMA fighter. But... um. I think he did the more damage in the first round. The second round clearly did the most damage could have maybe even almost scored at a 8, kind of blew his load and then had a close tepid third round where he got taken down late on a bit. Um, Yeah. Johnny Evelyn got exposed. Um, They were talking about his five round cardio and people were saying, well, what if this fight was five rounds? It wasn't number one, number two, um, he, he up to this fight he had been doing like his the only fan model he he did the colby covington thing but he took it to like the next level where he had like only fans models feeding him and all this stuff and man to do all that and and come out here and i thought he lost the fight um this is one of those like if you're holding the johnny Eblen betting slip you got gifted man you're ready to fucking throw tear that thing up and throw it away um yeah. Impa's power, his combination punching. He, I mean, he almost wrecked Eblin. It could have been a 10, eight round. Eblin came back, fought through it. You know, he, he is a champion. He is a great fighter, still undefeated, but this was the most adversity he's faced. I mean, you could take all of his 14 fights and combine them together. I think he's out 14. I think it's 14. Of, ah, God, now I got to look it up. I was right. 14, um, 15, including the Impa win, but, um, yeah, this is like the most damage he's taken. You combine all those fights together and just in one round and round number two of this fight is the is definitely the most adversity he's faced. And he showed some champion metal. But, man, I just would hate to see him have to fight a dude, you know. At... What would an Israel Adesanya, I'm not even a big Israel fan, but, man, you're getting laced up like that. Israel's got good takedown defense. What is someone like Sean Strickland going to do to you? Um, what, what's Robert or Apollo Costa. I mean, God, Apollo Costa, a giant man that you can't hurt. That's a, a pretty good defensive wrestler that has a big power. Yeah. I don't like Johnny Eblen against any of the top five. He was talking shit about Drakus. Um, I've never picked Drakus to win a fight confidently, but I'd confidently pick him to beat the Johnny Eblen that we just saw. Um, matchmaking for these guys. I say, run that shit back, run that shit back for five rounds, do it like, you know, somewhere down the line, whenever PFL has their next card, throw that in as the main event. That was a banger of a fight. Violent. Impa came in. Impa's made so many improvements. I'm just not seeing the Johnny Eblen improvements, but the improvements I'm seeing Impa Kasanga and I make, I mean, the kid's fucking good. His story is incredible. He, he's on the ultimate knockout highlight reel. Um, And, you know, you look at him compared to Joaquin Buckley today. Um. Yeah, the dude won like five fights in a row, won a million bucks, and then just had a, a close fight with another champ. <clears throat> I think Mpukasang is winning, winning in life right now, even off of a loss. Um, good for him. And I love to see guys shift out of the UFC, go two and two in the UFC, and then just go on the run. He's And man, if you would have won this fight, blow the ceiling off. And I still think he did great. Yeah. Um, and shout out to Johnny Eblen. He he did he took a lot of damage and hung tough. That was the first segment of the show. Out with the old. We're here to talk about cool stuff that's trending right now. What's hot? Second segment of the show. We're gonna talk about UFC 306. Supposedly the Mexican Independence Day card will be at the Sphere. I think it's gonna be a one and done because the pick the tickets are probably gonna be like a billion dollars to get into that place but fuck man if you're in vegas maybe i'll try to go maybe maybe not (laughs) we'll see um i'm much more of a weird watch fights alone sweating pacing in front of my tv um than i am a big arena person i don't like the typical mma slash ufc fan the uh public intoxication Mixed with the face punching, not my thing. Um, real quick, did y'all see that dude? That the dude in the black shirt that was just like ice and fools in in the crowd at UFC Mexico. That was funny. That was dope. Um, just like dumped, like knocked two dudes out in a row. Um, big fight in the crowd, and Dana was like, nobody wanted to stop it. I'm cool with it. Let it let it go down. Um, UFC throws. 306 at the Sphere. The Sphere is this giant... I mean, if you've never heard of the Sphere, you're living under a rock, or maybe you're living under the Sphere. Um, but Google this shit. Look up the Sphere in Vegas. It's this crazy, like, three-dimensional... I don't even know... <clears throat> it's like... When I was a kid, we used to go to these laser light shows at this planetarium down in Miami, and it was crazy, three-dimensional, trippy thing. Um, And the Sphere is like that times a million. Um, so I... I could only imagine. I've seen like they they showed some clips of like a U two concert there. It looks incredible. Go to YouTube, um, and and go check out the Sphere. Dana said he fell in love with it. He said he's been wanting to do a show there. Well, he's gonna make it happen. Um, so UFC three hundred six will be at the Sphere. Pretty freaking cool. Um, don't know who's gonna headline that. Uh, probably you know. There's plenty of Mexican fighters that we, we don't have any. We have Alexa Grosso. Maybe Alexa Grosso, they'll probably hold out for her. She probably won't headline it, but they could probably slaughter her in with the co-main. Um, maybe if Zhang Wei Li goes out there and beats the shit out of Yan Zhuanan at 300, we could get like a, a champ versus champ thing. That'd be huge for the sphere. Again, I don't think they'll put a women's flyweight title bout as the main event, but I can definitely see them doing the co-main there. Um, trying to think about divisions here and... You know what, what it could potentially look like. Not too sure. Heavyweight, mm. light heavyweight, mm. middleweight. Not really. Welterweight. Not really. I mean, we got Marab vili He's Mexican now, apparently. Um, but they, maybe we'll get like the the Henry Cejudo versus a uh, Brandon Moreno on there. Um. You know, there, there's plenty of Mexican fighters that they could throw on there and, and plenty of Mexican-American fighters. Maybe Brian Ortega versus um, Ilya Topuria be the main event. Co-main event, Zhang Wei Li versus Alexa Grosso. You could throw freaking Yaya Rodriguez, you know, steal all the, the high performers. Manuel Torres, Francisco Prado, like not Francisco Prado, uh, Zell Huber you could throw all those dudes on there um, and it's at the sphere. So it's going to be freaking huge. Be really, really cool. Let me know what you guys think about the sphere in the comments below. One more thing we got to talk about, um, especially since I did not get to do a UFC 300, re- 300, 298 recap, all this damn talk about UFC 300. Um, we're going to talk about Leo Toporia and his potential star power. Um, he went and kicked the opening. I don't know anything about soccer football, um, but he went and uh, I guess it's the equivalent of the opening pitch. He went in in front of Real Madrid, which is a huge soccer club in Spain. Um, he's been on their front page of the newspaper. He He was an honorary guest there in front of this giant stadium full of people um Spanish media was asking Dana about doing a show over there in Spain and he was asking them how big the arena is they could damn sure fill that arena um and and Iliatopolia's star power continuously grows um he's such a venomous fighter with such you know i mean so wow. many finishes such high level abilities and he's here he's so good on the mic he he speaks English he speaks Spanish and he speaks Georgian. Um, and I believe he may speak German as well. The, the dude's fluent in multiple languages. He's bilingual, trilingual, um, quadlingual. You lose me a trilingual. Um, but yeah, the, the dude seems to be a star. He's a great looking dude. He's Mr. Still Your Girl. If he was only a little bit taller, I'm sure he'd have even more success in that department. <laughs> um, but he, he's, he's calling out Islamahashiv, Rita. Reposting him getting knocked out, saying he'd love to go contend for a one fifty five pound belt and get some more title defenses at one forty five. Bro, go beat Mavzar Evloev and, and and maybe go beat Volk one more time. Um, if that rematch is warranted, I don't think it is in my opinion. I love Volk to death, but um, he got absolutely iced. Go go beat go beat Brian Ortega and Mavzar Evloev. Go finish those two guys, and then you can go up and challenge Islam if Islam still has the belt, um, or you can go up and challenge. But at least do two. And I, I would rather you do five title defenses before you even entertain moving up. But the way that things are, the trajectory of fighters today are very different than it used to be. You know, these guys, Sean O'Malley was talking about moving up and fighting Ilya after Ilya wins. He's like, yeah, I think I think want to fight Murab. Yeah, don't blame you, dude. Um, because Ilya would, would probably take your lunch money are there openings for Ilya? you know against a back foot counter puncher yes but i don't think sean o'malley i hate to say this about a fighter as good as sean o'malley but he doesn't have he's got a puncher's chance against ilia and um ilia is the puncher in that fight too oh and don't forget he can grapple and wrestle very well that's his number one thing pjj um but the kid's a freaking star, man. He, he's clearly got the Rockets, the booster hooked up to him. He's sky's the limit. I, I'm very curious to see what you guys think of Ilya Taporia. I'm high on him. I called him to beat Alexander Volkanovsky. And I have a good friend of mine. Um, him and I were talking six months ago. This is, you know, after he beat Bryce Mitchell. I was like, hey, Ilya toporia is going to be the guy that beats Volk. And he called me crazy. And I'm like, man, venomous power in the pocket. Volk is not the most durable dude he's got good submissions this and and Ilya's getting better um you know he he, everywhere he goes he wears that wonderful suit the kid looks like a million bucks he speaks so many different languages he's got a a chokehold in in so many different parts of the world georgia spain can have american fans with this english speaking um he'll probably be be a main event um in his next fight i'd like him to fight ortega in this fear i think that'd be cool we just talked about that um Tell me what you guys think about Ilya Toporia, man. The kid's a freaking star. I mean, he, he was on their head, head page of their newspaper in the arena getting handshakes from all the Real Madrid players. That's huge. That's huge. Getting co-tweeted by them, getting posted by them on social media. It's awesome. Shout out to Ilya Teporia. <laughs> Moving on to the final segment of the show, in with the new. Sorry, guys, I'm not even too hype about the the fights this weekend um the, the card starts really early in the day which is cool um it, the raul rosas and ricky tercio's card actually or fight is not on this card actually the ufc announced that it was and it got moved to i believe the march 2nd card which kind of makes a little more sense because this card is not that great um the weird, whole thing was weird with raul rosas anyway um and, and i think the ufc is just grabbing the e break on their raul rosas hype machine Um, But we talk about fights that are going to happen. We're going to talk about two fights. Uh, Other segments of the show were very long, so I just picked out two. Um, Umar Medov is fighting this weekend, and and I'm happy to see him get a fight. They had so much trouble booking this kid. Um, But we're going to talk about probably a potential title challenger at flyweight, someone I did not talk about as a potential opponent um, for Pantoja. But we have Mohamed Makaev taking on. Alex Perez. Crazy odds on this fight by the way. Alex Perez is a plus 250 underdog. Muhammad Makhayev is the big favorite coming in at minus 310. Um and, and Muhammad Makayev is is a, another undefeated fighter um UK by way of Dagestan. He, he's 11 and 0, so he's on an 11 fight win streak and he has a, you can go look at his record. One of the most, you know, one of the most highly touted prospects that come to the UFC and come to MMA, period. The dude's got like 20 amateur fights, also undefeated there. Um, as a professional, he's a really good win over Cody Durden. That's a good win submission. Charles Johnson beat Charles Johnson, completely ragdolled him. That's a great win. The uh, Jafel Filo, he literally got his leg snapped in half via knee bar, didn't tap, and then goes out there in the next round and gets, and gets a neck crank. His most recent fight against Tim Elliott... Uh, Judges had him down two rounds in just a weird lackluster kind of, you know, Tim Elliott performance, but he goes out there in the third round and gets the arm triangle submission. The dude's uh, a finisher, an incredible grappler. And then we have Alex Perez, a a dude that has not fought since July 30th of 22, where he lost via net crank to Alejandro Pantoja. Before that, he got guillotined by Davison Figueredo in 2020 He finished Juicier Formiga in 2020 via TKO with leg kicks and then beat Jordan Espinoza in 2020 via arm triangle choke. He actually choked him all the way out. Um, The dude has had a laundry list. And if you guys are curious to know, I will go through it. So on May 15th of 2021, he was supposed to fight Matt Schnell, canceled. July 31st of 21, he was supposed to fight Askar Askarov, canceled. He was booked against Matt Schnell three more times in a row. All of those bouts were canceled. Then he got booked against Askar Askarov again in July 16th of 22, canceled. Shows up July 30th, takes a short notice fight against Alejandre Pantoja, loses via rear naked choke, and then has a fight with Amir Albazi for Dece- in December of 22 canceled. Kai Carr France February of 23 canceled. March of 23 was supposed to fight Mano Kop. Canceled bout. And then he gets a draw against Roman Bravo Young 629 of 23. That was in a grappling tournament. Roman Bravo Young. To, to have a draw against Roman Bravo Young is really really impressive. But this dude out of his, I mean, he's got so many canceled fights. He's plagued in his career. I'm going to go through. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 10, 11, 12, 13. His 24 pro wins and 13 canceled fights it's got to be a record the dude's got health issues he's unlucky but he's a grappler that's his thing decent striking but he's mostly a grappler he likes to wrestle he's a pretty good wrestler muhammad makayev that's also his thing but i think muhammad makayev is a little bit more submissional based um muhammad makayev suffers from the young prospect syndrome where he's undefeated he's had so much experience uh you know lower level in the amateur scene over in the UK where if he is not getting shit kicked and he's having 50-50 grappling exchanges with you he thinks he's winning and that could be a problem against someone like Alex Perez but Alex Perez is so inconsistent he, he's pretty highly ranked in the UFC's flyweight division still um and a win an impressive win you know could warrant a potential title fight, especially the way that Pantoja is 0-5 against the, you know, number one and number two uh, ranked guys in the division and potential title challengers. I'm on Muhammad Makayev in this fight. I think Makayev has the ability to scramble and just grab a submission anywhere. He's got pretty decent striking, but this fight will not be contended on the feet. Um Makayev has a pretty good gas tank. He's very, very tough. You can break his limbs. Clearly ask a Philo about that. You know, he he blew up his knee in a knee bar and did not tap. So unless you're choking this dude all the way to sleep, unless you know, unless you get a tech sub on him, he ain't tapping. You're gonna have to rip his fucking arm off. It's going to have to look like Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill for, you know, for him to lose a fight. And yeah, he could. It could look just like the Tim Elliott fight, where he never gets the sub. If it's the Tim Elliott fight, where he doesn't get the sub, he loses, and that could totally happen because Alex Prez can scramble. It's flyweight. All these dudes are are scrambly and and vicious there. But give me Muhammad Makhachev to get a second round submission. Alex Prez is notorious for being overzealous in grappling exchanges and putting himself into positions where he gets submitted. That's exactly how he lost to Davis and Figueroa, and I think Mohammed Makayev could do the thing. And I think if Muhammad Makayev does this, he calls for a title shot, and I wouldn't be mad at it. Muhammad makayev's second round submission. That's the pick. Moving on to the main event, we have Jarzino Rosenstrike versus Shamil Gaziev. Gaziev is the small favorite here, minus one fifty-five. Rosen Strike is coming back at plus one sixty. I believe this is Rosen sixth main event. Yeah, they're like all at the apex and shit, and all it takes is to be a heavyweight and have knockout power. Um, Kaziev, however, on the other hand, he's got one fight in the UFC. Um, however, that one fight was an absolute shit kicking of Martin Budai and a fight that he was an underdog in going into. That was back December sixteenth of twenty three. So fast turnaround for him um Ghazia, he is a Dagestan fighter by way of Bahrain I believe um Jazina Rosenstrike the uh he's from Suriname so I think that would make him Sur- oh I don't know he's from Suriname um very small country and it's funny because I actually grew up with a kid that was from Suriname um he's 13 and 5 coming off of a rear naked choke loss to Jaelson Almeida May 13th of 23 prior to that quick first round Sub 32nd knockout of Chris Dalkaus, um, got absolutely shit kicked by Alexander Volkov and then got beat up by blades pretty badly. Um, he he's. Kind of traded wins and losses since his win against Alec, um, Alistair Overeem right after he beat Overeem, he got absolutely obliterated by Francis Ngannou, the boxer. And Francis Ngannou's weirdest slash most, one of the most violent performances, um, Gazi was a dude that likes to press the action. He's got good combinations as he showed against Budai. He laced Budai up on the feet up against the cage. Um he just he's gonna wrestle. Like the way you beat Jarzino, Jar- no Rosen strike is it's got big power. Um, you know semi-technical kickboxing he's got good leg kicks He he's definitely not afraid to be in the pocket with anybody you know Francis Nganu's swinging bombs at him and he's there sits down a leg kick and gets absolutely crushed by Ngannou. Um, that's his thing though he wants to make these you know pocket fights in the pocket he will throw kicks from the outside but his thing mainly is to close the distance, jump, jump into range, throwing big hooks like he did against Alistair Overeem when he blew his fucking face up against the cage. That was really cool. But up until then, he was getting absolutely beat up until the very last second of the fifth round of their fight. Um, He's low output. He's dangerous, but not extremely dangerous. Yes, you know, I would not want to take a punch from him if I had to. You know, I would not want to do a power slap thing with him. But um, Gaziev just has way more tools. I think he could probably go out there and just walk Jarzino down. Jarzino is not good on the back foot at all. Um, if you force Jarzino to be a back foot counter puncher, he's just not good at it. That's just like not his thing. He wants to move forward and, and just flood you with big power. Um, but he's become very low output. Um, and and Gaziev can wrestle. Jarzino's major hole in his game is his grappling. You know, look what Jelton Ameda did to him. Yeah, Jelton Ameda is a good grappler, and that's Jelton Ameda's thing. But Gaziev should just go out there, take him down, submit him. I think it'll be a round one submission. He'll take him down, force him to give his back, and probably get like a rear naked choke. Or maybe he'll get some sort of, you know, heavyweight fat guy submission on top. Maybe something weird like a, a key lock or, you know, or an Americano or something. Or maybe he'll just ground and pound him. Um this fight will probably end on the ground. Gazia will probably be getting his hand raised at the end. Um, so give me Gazia Round one, I'm going to go submission, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was TKO via ground and pound. Um, and that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Suredog.com. Check the kick. Can I get it right? It's this shoulder. I can't even pick the right shoulder. It's too late in the day. There's the sign. Suredog.com is the website. That's my handle. There we go. I got that right. Dev goes fishing. Hit me up on social media. Comment below. I'm happy to interact with you guys. Um, Again, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the fights.